Welcome to Authors on the Move, a monthly podcast where authors discuss how their book is more than a story. It's their business. Here's your host, Deborah Thunderberg. Hello, and welcome to the show. Today, I'm interviewing Cheryl McCullough, who is the author of three books, The Wedding Party, Absent One from Another, and Christmas Dinner. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Deborah. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, thank you for being here. Let's just jump right into this, and let's start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and then something about each of the books that you've written. Well, I tell people all the time I'm a native charlatan because there are not many of us still around, probably about 5% of the people in Charlotte grew up here, but I am one of those 5%. I am an entrepreneur. I spent much of my career early on in higher education administration, and I like to say I love a beach anywhere. Um, I've been published for seven years, and as you mentioned, the three books that are currently out are The Wedding Party, Absent One from Another, and Christmas Dinner. The Wedding Party was published in 2012, and then Absent followed in 2014, and Christmas Dinner in 2016. The trilogy was done, and I thought I was done, but my readers thought that there should be more. So there will be a fourth installment to this series, and in as far as I'm concerned, the end of it, that will come out later this year. And I have a working title, but I'm not ready to put it out there yet because I'm still working on the story. Okay. Fair enough. So can you give us just a little bit of background on um, the storyline in those books? Sure. The Wedding Party is actually a play on the word party. It talks uh, about a bride and a groom, their family and friends, and the drama that ensues that starts around the wedding. And then it ends with a party the night before the wedding. So it's about the wedding party, the bridesmaids, the groomsmen, all of those people, and then the party that they have the night before the wedding. Absolutely one from another picks up three years later, and it answers a few of the questions that eh, you might feel like you did get answered at the end of the wedding party, and it talks a little bit more about some of the people who were in the story, and it adds one or two new characters, but they're all intermingled. It's family and friends and some people who are not so friendly. And then Christmas dinner picks up immediately like the next day after absent ends, and it draws the rest of the story together. It gives information about the characters and particularly answers a question that kind of leaves people hanging in, in the other two books. Christmas dinner was supposed to be, as I said, the end of the series, but my readers, a lot of them, felt like there needed to be more closure 
readers tend to get really involved and they tend to take the the storyline very personally. So a lot of them felt like there needed to be some additional information or some additional questions answered. So at the end of Christmas dinner, I do leave some things a little undone, I guess, to the reader's imagination. So in the fourth book, I'm going to answer those questions and lay some of those undone things to rest, I hope. Okay. So will it pick up um, immediately after Christmas dinner ends, or is there a time lapse? And it actually where that story ends up, in the new one. It actually picks up, well, within a few days, I guess. It, it gives a little bit of background from Christmas dinner, and then it okay. picks up within a few days and talks about what happened at the end. And Christmas dinner actually ends on Christmas Day, and a lot of what happens in the new book will start after the new year. It, it will pick up and talk about things that happen around New Year's and Valentine's Day and goes a little further into that year after the event on Christmas Day. Okay. So do you feel that in this fourth book, and I, I know you said you answered some of the unanswered questions you felt that the readers had, but as the writer, do you feel at the end of this fourth book, this is, this is it, this is done? I say it is, but I said Christmas dinner was it. And the good thing is that the readers were so enamored by it and so drawn into the story that they wanted more. I say okay. I'm done. I think I'm done. I think that once I get feedback from the readers, if they feel like they can exhale and the questions have been answered, then we will. One of the things that I'm considering is there are a couple of characters in the new book that I may bring into other books that are not necessarily a part of this series, but mm -hmm. they could have a place or be a character that will work in a storyline in another book. For example, there's a gentleman in in this series that is an FBI agent. So he can show up in another book still as an FBI agent, but investigating something totally different. So that's sure. one of the things that I'm considering is bringing some of these characters into other stories. Okay. Sounds interesting. I can't wait to read it. So tell us, when did you decide to be a writer and why? I've always loved to write and I've been writing for a long time. I wrote a column for the Charlotte Observer years ago when I was in high school and I wrote for my high school newspaper. And I think what made me decide to become a writer is because I love to read. And I always thought as I would read, oh, I can create a story that's just as good as what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. So the transition was fairly easy from reading as much as I do 
and used to read even more than I do now to actually becoming a writer. Okay. What does the inspiration come from? Literally, literally, my inspiration comes from people, places, and things. I'm a people watcher, and I look at people and create stories about them based on their behavior or something that I notice about them that may stand out or or may be unique for the the particular situation that I find them in. And so that's where my inspiration comes from, just things I see around me. Okay. Having said that, do you believe in writer's block? I do believe in writer's block, but I think it's more a lack of inspiration. I do think it's temporary. I think in those times when the writing stalls, that there are other things related to writing and related to the business that the the writer can work on. For mm-hmm. newer writers, I think that when the inspiration is just not there, I suggest rereading what you've already written and working on that a little bit. And sometimes that gives you a push into whatever the next thing needs to be. Okay. That's some good advice. And sometimes, you know, I tell writers as well, you know, step away from what you're writing and write something else. You know, write a a message. Write a a note or whatever, but sometimes you just need to step away from the story. doesn't mean that you shouldn't be writing. You just may not need to be writing on that in that particular moment. And that's a really good point. What's the hardest thing about writing for you? Time. Um, Because I do have have other business interests and I work with other writers. I have to make writing a priority every day. I set aside time every day, at least an hour to write. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that hour is the first hour in the morning, and it may be very early depending on what else has to happen during the day. Or it may be the last hour at night, or I may get some time in. One thing that I do, I carry a notepad with me all the time. And if I'm between appointments or at lunch or even in the doctor's office, I'm constantly carrying that notepad and making notes and writing down ideas. My story that I like to tell is being at the DMV, and I stood in line at the DMV for an hour, and I wrote for 59 minutes of that hour standing in that line. So I always try to make sure that writing is a priority. Now, on the flip side of that, once I get going, then it seems like the time goes so fast, but I have to stop because I have to handle other things that are going on in my life. So I think the the most difficult thing for me is just making sure that I manage my time well. I get it. I, I totally get it. And You know, we both work with writers, and we hear people say all the time they just don't have the time to do it, but you would be amazed how much you can get written in an hour. Yes. Which leads me into the next question. Do you believe writing is a discipline? 
Yes, I absolutely believe it's a discipline. If you're passionate about it, then you want to produce an excellent product. And in order to produce an excellent product, you have to have discipline. And that goes for writing or if you are a basketball player, whatever your thing is, you have to have the discipline to work on it so that it produces something that you can be proud of. I agree. I agree with that. How long on average does it take you to write a book? On average, I would say it takes me about four months to come up with a good first draft. Of course, there are edits and rewrites, but a good first draft takes about four months, and there's always going to be something that that when you go back, you want to develop a little more. But initially, just get it down, and I, and I would, again, say about four months to get that done. Okay. And is that based on you writing um, on your one-hour schedule? Yeah, that's based on my one, at least writing one hour a day. Um, when it has been cold, that's been a good incentive for me to be in and writing uh-huh. instead of being out and about and doing some of the other things that I need to do probably and things that I find to do. But if just based on a minimum of an hour a day, I think it can be done in that time frame. Okay. You've published three times over now. How did publishing your first book change your process of writing? With the first book, I didn't know what I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> and based on that experience, I'm a better writer from the technical aspects like sentence structure and et cetera, but also character development. And back to your previous question about the discipline in the art of creating. When you are creating something, you have to have the discipline to do it. And with Uh the first book, I wrote it. I honestly don't remember how long it took me to write it because I put it down and picked it up and put it down and picked it up. But by the time I got into the second one, and particularly by the time I got to the third one, I understood better how much um, being committed to a certain block of time, how important that was. And then also I understood better the technical aspects of it. So it it made me understand the process better and be able to work through the process better. But would you agree that that's the – I think that's the story for every author. We all have a starting point. And if we write more than just one book, we can look back and kind of gauge where we started from as opposed to where we are, you know, at a particular place now. So can we all say, you know, in a sense that writing the first book, nine times out of ten, we didn't know what we were doing? We were yeah, just trying to I, tell a story I, I, the best way that we could. Exactly. And I do agree with that because I reread 
my first book. Okay. And I know that the second book was better than the first book, and the third book was better than the second book, and this fourth okay. book will be better than the third book, because the more you do it, the better you become at it. Even um, just little things that an editor brought to my attention at some point during those processes, that by this time, that editor wouldn't have to bring that to my attention again. So mm -hmm. those are the technical things that you learn, but the discipline you learn, the commitment becomes more. And it becomes more fun, if you will. It, the first time, at least I was a little apprehensive. I remember mm -hmm. the day that I sent it to the publisher, it took me minutes, literally, to push the enter button on the computer because mm -hmm. I was just apprehensive about turning over what I had worked on so hard to someone else. But as you write and you become excited about it and excited about getting the work out there, those things become easier as well. Sure. And there's, you know, there's a level of vulnerability when, you know, you spent months, and, you know, I always like to use the term, it's your baby. You spent right. months preparing your baby for the world, and then you get ready to present it, and you don't want somebody to come and say, that's an ugly baby, or, you know, <laughs> we're, we're not interested. We're not interested in your baby because, I mean, that's, I mean, that's such a, that's such a horrible thought to even think, but we, as writers, we have that, that, um, that inner thing that always causes us to pause and, you know, hold our breath or hesitate in hitting the enter key or whatever it is because you're exposing yourself to the world. Right. And I remember with my first book and, and it, had the, the editor said, you need to reduce this by 2,500 words. I was offended <laughs> that she mm -hmm. thought <laughs> I, should, I should take 2,500 words out of my book. And what that ended up looking like was dropping a whole storyline. There was uh, uh, two characters, a husband and wife, that totally were left for on the proverbial cutting room floor because that was the only way I could take out the 2,500 words. And what I didn't understand at the time was that was 2,500 words. Had I left them in, I probably would have had to add words to make, to pull all of that together. Mm -hmm. So it is a place of vulnerability. It is a place of, believing, though, that the experts know the best way to do it, and you have to trust the process. Yeah, you, you absolutely do have to trust the process. And it's hard, especially for a new writer, to understand that because emotions are attached mm -hmm. to the story. They've spent time. They've spent so much time writing the story, and for, you know, you to come along, you know, an editor to come along and say, mm, it's not that we don't like it, it just doesn't fit in the overall picture. Right. Yeah, I think people right. get a little, 
little um, upset behind that. But, you know, it's a, it's a common thing and it's a learning process. This whole right. journey is a learning process. And, and, you know, you and I both have talked to, you know, New York Times bestselling authors that say it doesn't get any better. It becomes even more challenging, you know, even the more you do it. You get better at it, but then you're always trying to reach that next level of writing success as you're writing. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So tell us, we talked about the, the types of books that you've written. Now let's talk about the types of books that you like to read. And who's one of your favorite authors? In terms of books, because I read magazines and, and things like that too, but in terms of books, I read mostly fiction. I also read some inspirational work, and from time to time I'll read some current event books. But I probably would say in terms of some of my favorites, I like James Patterson and the Alex Cross series, and I've long been a fan of Kimberly Lawson Roby with the Reverend Curtis Black series. And they're mm-hmm. both great authors, but at opposite ends of the fiction spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I think fiction is my go-to because you you hear people say all the time, you can go anywhere in the world in a book. And those days that are tense or, you know, just a really tough day, reading is relaxing to me. It's informative. It's entertaining. And from time to time, you just need something on your mind that's for entertainment purposes only. So I totally that, agree with that. Re- right. So that's the reason fiction is my go-to. Okay. All right. What have you learned about this publishing journey? The publishing journey is work. It takes commitment. And I say all the time, and I say this to new authors a lot, the only time success comes before work is in the dictionary. So to be be successful at this craft, it's imperative that we put in the work. And back to a point I made a few minutes ago, and seek the advice and assistance of a professional. Publishing is the beginning of letting the world know that your story is out there, that it's available. Just like any other profession, there are aspects of the publishing industry that are unique to this industry. So working with the professional is key, and I have learned that I've I've always worked with publishing companies, but what I've learned in this process is everything doesn't fit. Sometimes the puzzle pieces may be side by side, but they may not necessarily connect. So when I Mm -hmm. met you, Deborah, and started working with the Charlotte Writing Academy, and eventually with Berkwood Media as my last publisher, it became an experience that I felt comfortable with and an experience where I knew I was dealing with a professional that was going to take me through the whole process. And I had to understand that it was a process, that publishing was where it started, not where it ended. Once the story is written and edited and you publish, that's not where it ends. So that's one of the things that has been just instrumental to me in a, as a part of this process. 
And I think that that's a huge misconception that's out there, you know, in this whole publishing arena that people have this preconceived notion that they're going to write their book and publish their book and they're going to be a New York Times bestselling author and all is going to be right with the world. But then they are, you know, their egos are deflated when that doesn't Mm -hmm. become their reality. Mm -hmm. And so having said that, you know, you've taken the, the business coaching for authors, you know, after you had published twice. How did that change your perspective on the whole on the whole thought process of okay, I've published these books, I'm gonna go do some a few book signings and then you come back home and you're trying to figure out what to do next. How has having that coaching broadened your your horizons on where all of this can potentially go? Business coaching gave me a plan of what to do after I had a book that was ready for the market. I learned how to make my book my business. In coaching, at the end of the six-week sessions of coaching, I came away with a 12-month marketing plan that took me beyond the book signing event. And it did not give me the cookie-cutter approach that I had been exposed to or that I had been encouraged to participate in previously. I learned about adding promotional products, and I learned about cost-effective ways to get exposure for my story. And all of those things I learned in coaching. And in the coaching session, like this light bulb just goes on. You have an aha moment where you say, oh, that makes sense. I'm not going to make as much money as I can potentially make just showing up, signing books, selling them to the 15, 20, even 50 people who may show up for an event. And that's the end of it, and I go home and schedule the next event. There has to be ongoing promotion and ongoing marketing, and those things have to be done creatively. The coaching session taught me how to think outside of the box, outside of the traditional book-selling box. Yes, and I think that's what's missing in this arena. I, I truly right. believe that that's what's, that's what's missing because we, we've followed the pattern of what tradition has set, and that's what people do. You know, they go and they get their book published and they set up their book tours or their book signings or whatever you want to call it, depending on who the author is, and you have some, like the big-name authors, that do very well with that. But then if you are no name, nobody knows who you are, by the time you go through friends and family, then we're right back at square one of trying to right. figure out what to do. And, right. and coaching is a new concept for authors, but it gives you so much more than that. It helps you understand 
you know, the different platforms. And I think we, we did a workshop recently where we talked about there are at least 18 streams of income for an author if they're just, you know, open enough to take advantage or even look into what those streams are. You don't have to Absolutely. just be struggling with book sales. Well, and, and as I said, it gives you cost-effective ways to get exposure. Mm-hmm. Years ago, probably 20 years ago, authors made a ton of money just selling books. Mm-hmm. But that was before ebooks and books on um, tape, audio, and all of those, and, mm-hmm. audio, right, before mm-hmm. all of those things came out and gave so many different avenues for people to be able to listen to a story or read a story. So as the market has changed, our process of getting our information out there has to change as well. It does. It absolutely does. Because 20 years ago, they didn't have the Internet. They didn't have social media the way that we have it now. So they had to be creative and, you know, opening up doors for themselves to walk through to be able to have that success. And I think it's probably easier now than it would have been back then, and people are still not being as successful as as they should be. Right. A few years ago when I wrote my first book, I have a friend who lives in Wilmington, Delaware, and Mm -hmm. I've been to several of other friends different parts of the country to do book signings, and she asked me to do her book club, and we actually did it on Skype. And I was on my computer in Charlotte, and she and her book club friends were in her home in Wilmington, Delaware, and it was amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, the power of technology is just blowing all of our minds, I I truly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So there are just so many things that can be done differently now that are cost effective, that are innovative. And so I think that coaching gives us just an avenue and, and an open window to see some of the things that, again, are outside of, of that traditional box. I agree. So what advice would you give to an aspiring writer, someone that's just starting out fresh out the water, as, you know, we used to say in the South? Um, what What would you tell them? My advice? is to write, plain and simple, write. There's nothing Mm to edit or publish or market until there is a story. So write, be disciplined about the writing, set aside a designated block of time that's that's dedicated just to writing. And once you get it done, then concern yourself with all the other things. You know, when we have our sessions with aspiring authors, a lot of times they're asking questions about editing. They're asking questions about publishing. And, of course, they're asking questions about making money. And the mm-hmm. story isn't even written. So until yeah. there is something to edit and publish, none of the rest of that is the priority. Writing is the priority. 
I, you know, and I, I totally agree with that because um, people spend so much time, I mean, months and months and months, gathering information about the whole process. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter if we don't have anything to, to work with. I mean, just get the words on the paper. And I think, you know what, that's the best advice. I think any of us can give someone that's just starting out, just write the story. Just just write the story. Right. It's, it's just like the book that you wrote. The, the, book, the title of the book is Just Write the Darn Book. And I reference yeah. it all the time <laughs> when I'm talking yeah. to people. And I say that to them, just write the darn book, and then mm-hmm. we'll take what you've written and do the rest of what we need to do with it. Yeah, and I don't know why that's that's so hard. And, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about that. And I don't know if it's, you know, some people are afraid of success. And, you know, success looks different um, to to different to people. Different people, right. Mm-hmm. So, but I think some people, they, they have the story, they want to tell the story, but I think that they are afraid of where that can possibly take them. And I've learned that just in the years of, of doing, you know, working with writers and hearing their stories and, you know, the, the excuses, because that's what it comes down to, the excuses that they use as to why the book hasn't been written yet. And I believe part of it, not in all cases, but I believe in some cases part of it is they are afraid of success. They're afraid, they are afraid of being out there and exposed. Right. And I think some people are also afraid that they can't do it. Or, and, and I don't like to use the word failure, but afraid of not doing as well as they expect. So that's another stumbling block that they run up on. And I tell people all the time, someday is not a day of the week. So set a goal and say, in four months, I'm going to have finished my first draft of this book and, and just make it happen. Just make it happen and just and do put you believe, your mind forward. Do you, but do you think part of that, and, and this is something, you know, that we also see, but do you think part of that is most writers are isolated? They're not a part of a network. They're not a part of a group. They don't have the support system in place. And so they just kind of, you know, stay in their own little world. You know, they write when, you know, they want to write. And, and I mean, they re- some of them really want to get the story done. They want to have a completed first draft. But the support's not there. And I so I know agree. for me, yeah, and I know for me, you know, when I first joined the writers group, that was the best thing that could have happened for me because within 90 days, a manuscript that I had been playing around with for I don't know how long was completed. Now, it was a first draft, but I had a completed first draft because right, the accountability, the exactly. support is just exactly. phenomenal. You took the word right out of my mouth. That's what I was going to say. It's about mm-hmm. accountability. Mm-hmm. You can, again, to, to another basketball analogy, you can say you're going to shoot 100 free throws, but if you have a teammate there with you that's 
making sure that you do it, you're more apt to do it. So the accountability with the writers group, because we meet once a month, is making sure that between the day that we meet in January and when we meet again in February, I've done what I said I was going to do in that 30 days. And somebody is going to hold me accountable for making sure that I get that done. And if I don't get it done, I'm going to be behind the rest of the people in the group. And people are competitive by nature. Yes. So they don't want to be behind. They want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Yeah, and, and we can't say that we want something and not be willing to do the work. Correct. To get correct, you know, and I know for me, you know, when I, you know, started kind of moving up the ranks and leadership and and all of that, for me, it became okay. I've got to stop procrastinating about this. I can't stand before these people month after month telling them what they need to be doing when I'm not accomplishing my goals mm-hmm. as well. So it has kind of pushed me you know, to keep moving forward and accomplishing my own personal work because that level of accountability. And, you know, mm-hmm. one thing that I can't stand is a hypocrite. I'm not going to intentionally be a hypocrite. So how can I tell you to do something when I'm not doing it myself? So the, the, power, right. the power of the group is, um, it's phenomenal. And I know some people say, because I've had people tell me, oh, you know, I do better on my own and, and whatever. But then look at how much you're missing out on by not being a part. Well, think about how many people are in the group that started with us last year that have published in that form. Oh, yeah. They have written, edited, and published and how many people say to new people when they join the group that I came to the group with pages of things that were un, 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 unorderly, and now I have a published book. So just think about over 12 months how many people have accomplished what they set out to accomplish and probably wouldn't have, and a lot of them would admit that they wouldn't have, had it mm-hmm. not been for the camaraderie and the accountability, again, of the rest of the people in the group. Yeah, and, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we do when we all come together, whether it's, you know, on a retreat or whatever. You know, that's one of the things that we always talk about. What would your life look like one year from today? Right. If you just right. worked your plan. Right. What would it look like? And so I think for those that don't have a plan, they're right in that same space 12 months later because they don't know what to do. They haven't connected. You know, they're not engaged. They're not committed. They just, and so they're there. They're in that same, they're in that same space. So it's power. I think it's just power in being connected. If nothing else. I agree. You know, totally you know, then the um, then the connection, having that connection. Right. So, okay, so we've we've kind of gotten off on our own little tangent. But so, tell us, what do you do for fun when you're not writing and you know you're not you know doing all these other things that you're involved in? Tell us what you do for fun. 
Obviously, I am a big sports fan. I watch sports on television. I go to sporting events. Of course, I spend time with family and friends. I walk or exercise, but sometimes when I'm walking, I'm people watching and I'm making up stories about people in my head. <laughs> I like to travel, and, of course, I read. And one of the things that I do as soon as the weather permits, I walk and read while I walk. And then I'll sit and write. And I I walk in a park where there's water. So I walk my four laps around the water, and I can read and walk at the same time. And then I'll sit, and that's a lot of times, particularly on a Saturday or a Sunday, when I have my hour to write. And I'll sit by the water and write. And it, it's very peaceful. It can I can accomplish a lot in that hour. I like the water, so I can accomplish a lot in that hour. So to me, that's fun. That's what I do for fun. That's what I do for downtime. But a, a good football game, basketball game, tennis match, that does it for me. Okay. Okay, I'm still stuck on the, the reading and walking because um, that would never happen in my world. Let me just tell you, I need to be totally focused on one or the other, but not both together. So that's, no, that's I the skill. I had a gentleman say to me in the park one day, now that's multitasking at another level, but I can. <laughs> I can walk and read at the same time. And I just feel like I have accomplished so much when I can read and walk for maybe 40, 45 minutes, and I can get a lot of reading done in that same time period, and I feel like I've accomplished so much doing both at the same time. <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. So tell us, what's next for you? I'm working on several things, um, again, because I get story ideas from such random places. I have outlines for stories that I haven't developed yet. And when I get to those moments, as we talked about earlier, that we would say writer's block, sometimes I'll go and pick up one of those outlines. I have them all in different notebooks, and I'll go and pick up one of those and, and just play around with it for a little bit. But I, I am working on the sequel to the three novels that I've already published, which I mentioned um, mm -hmm. earlier. And then two standalone novels. So my plan for this year is to publish twice, to publish one of the standalone novels and also to publish the fourth book in that series. Okay. Okay. Good deal. I can't wait to read it, as I said. Okay, so how can listeners discover more about you? Um, they can go to my website, which is CherylMcCullerWrites.com, or to my Facebook page, which is Cheryl McCullough Writes. And there's information. There's not anything out there yet about the new book because, as I said, I haven't quite gotten to where I'm ready to release that information. But there is information about the other books and well, their events that we're involved in through Charlotte Wright to publish or the Charlotte Writing Academy, and, of course, anything that I'm doing that's related to the book, that information is, is there. Okay. All right. Well, our time is up, 
So as we bring this interview to a close, I want to thank you again for spending time with me and talking about your books and your writing journey. And until the next time when we chat with another author, I want to wish you all continued success. You've been listening to Authors on the Move, a Berkwood Media production where we turn writers into authors and then entrepreneurs. For more information, check us out at berkwoodmedia.com.